0: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the petty. I will buy the stock for a pet. With everything you need to start your trading day.
1: Good morning, traders and investors. Investors, welcome to Wednesday's October 16th edition of Benzinga's Pre Market Prep. I'm your co host, Joel Conan, along with Chris Deerskalis and Dennis Dick. On today's show, market clears resistant but cannot close above. We got some good earnings from Bank of America. Laugh goes bullish on uh, Bausch, Bausch Healthcare. Apple finds a seller at 238. Cloud stocks looking murky after the news on Workday. Possible opiate settlement going to help some of the drug stocks. We're going to take a look at the brokerage uh, also after that big move yesterday in Charles Schwab. Today's show is sponsored by Webull and their trader competition. Join traders around the world in a paper trading competition that's a Great for you and somebody else. Competition consists of four weekly competitions, October 7th through 9th, with weekly prizes of nearly $11,000 worth of Amazon gift cards, and a grand prize to the best overall portfolio of either a brand-new Tesla 3 or forty grand toward paying off your students' loans. Plus, we will donate a portion of the total returns to Shriners Hospital for Children's Research. To learn more, go to the Weibo mobile app or click on this link in the chat. Uh, Also, folks, uh, in the Chicago area or near the Chicago area, next week, there's going to be the Benzinga Cannabis Conference. I'm going to drop the link here uh, in the chat. Use the uh, code BZFAN if you want to sign up to that. I think I just saw that... uh, Jim Belushi is going to be there and plus Jason Rasnick and the rest of the Bazinga crew. So we got all that stuff out of the way. Let's do the S&P 500. I cleared resistance yesterday. Uh, that resistance Kind of holding. We settled at ninety-seven seventy-five. That turns out to be the high of the pre-market session. That's our key to much higher prices today. You have crude in the green by twenty-eight cents at fifty-three point zero nine. Gold up a buck forty at fourteen eighty-four forty. Silver going the opposite way, down thirteen point nine cents at seventeen twenty-four and a half. And Bitcoin down hundred and twenty dollars at eight thousand fifty. Just clinging to that eight thousand dollar level so triple d we do have um, some earnings but uh i guess the big news of the day would be work day
0: yeah i think the cloud stocks and you know what i'm disappointed in your pun off the hop joel you didn't use the pun here you said the cloud stocks look murky i thought for sure with the softball they were thrown off the middle you'd say the cloud stocks are looking cloudy no, murky's. well, that, they're Okay, puns, okay. Let me I have Joel's all over this pun. The cloud stocks look cloudy, cloudy. <laughs> That's no good. There's
1: no creativity in
0: there. Yeah, there's all kinds of creativity. We're playing on the cloud. Anyway, so they do look cloudy here this morning. Work days, investors day. Joel, tell us what happened here. It's down 5.5%, down almost 10 points here now. Give us the reasoning here. WDAY is taking the beats.
1: Uh, they had analyst day on Tuesday, and uh, Bernstein said the company's focus on innovation and in R&D spending is a long-term positive, but could pressure margins near term. So other firms lowered mm. their target as well. Wow. Uh, this stock, this is, this is going to be a tough one for investors because, you know, uh, a classic stock, big rally, you had your pullback, and then everyone was jumping in the pool as of yesterday. The rebound was on their way, and now where was the low of the move here? Well, we still got some room to the low of the move here, Dennis. Uh, pre-market low, 17002 How's it looking out there for that stock and some other cloud stocks?
0: I mean, there's other news in the sector too here. One concern is that we've had a significant rally and they were starting to show a little bit of life. And this is going to obviously put them right back down in the gutter. Um, multiple downgrades in the sector as well as, as uh, Spinner is pointing out. We got Morgan Stanley downgrading NOW and we also have Citigroup downgrading Adobe. So you have a lot of kind of bad news here in the sector. When you're looking at Workday, with saying the margin margins issue there, Adobe with the downgrade and NOW with the downgrade. God, I got to think that's going to bring down the rest of the stocks in the sector. I did put on some cloud shorts last night With Workday getting hit here, so I won't talk about all these stocks, Uh, but I don't have Adobe or now, so I can freely talk about those. ADBE trading down seven points here in the pre-market. I actually did have it overnight. I've already covered it. I covered it before the show started, probably because I wanted to talk about it. NOW down 3% here in the pre-market. It's down uh, eight points as well. So you look at these charts and you think, well, yeah, they were starting to look like they wanted to break out here. And now they look like that breakout could become a fake out because of fundamental news.
1: Yeah, let's uh, work a. uh, Let's first go. I gave you that pre market low. You have one, yeah, two lows at the 170 area. Two bucks off that pre market low. So let's see what happens. I'll give 169 to 170. We'll see what happens there. That's the trapdoor. That will take you down probably to the one sixty-four dollar area, but see if that pre-market low can hold. Um, also and we go back and forth on this. If you were caught short this thing, you know, off the bottom here, this is a pretty nice windfall. I don't think you'd be selling more into the short and thinking, hey, here I am, you know, getting uh, you know, nine bucks back here real quickly. So I don't know what the short interest is, and I know a lot of people don't play the short side of the market, but that's one consideration to keep. Uh, 2 bucks off or buck eighty-five off that pre-market low. Uh, NOW that got downgraded, that's down 8 bucks as well. That is not yeah. heavily traded. Uh, it, to-
0: it's, it trades, though, and it moves. So this stock is a little bit of a wild child. But, again, we were in consolidation station there for a bit, looking like we wanted to break out. Just as of yesterday, I mean, a lot of stocks look like they want to break out if they didn't break out yesterday because it was a great, great day for the market overall. But it brings us right back down to this range again. I mean, I think you find support down there where you were four days ago down the 258, 259 area. Yeah. But it's, it's tricky because these stocks really have kind of been out of favor for a while. And I just think this maybe puts them back out of favor. Ah. Or do they buy the dip? I, I, I don't, man. Maybe they buy the dip. I mean, UNH, you did see the buy the dippers coming in, completely different sector, oh. but UNH, well, I guess UNH never dipped. It was trading up, but they ripped it then. But the banks, I mean, they really bought the, the dips in the banks. Goldman was down one at one point in time over 5 bucks. end up closing in the green there. We know uh, Wells Fargo and Citigroup actually were down as well, and both of them closed in the green, and JP Morgan uh, closed strong as well. So you saw a lot of strength there. We're going to talk to bank earnings in a second. I'm just wondering, is the buy the dip mentality across the market right now? So does that mean they come in and buy the dips on the cloud stocks or is it selective? That's oh, what I'm asking.
1: I, I would just, for just a general rule of thumb here, uh, I would look at, the, when you're looking at all these stocks, where there's Twilio, let's see what the Twilio chart looks, up, looks like here. Uh, boom, boom. Same thing, you know, coming off the low, looking like you're okay. I've just figured that 50% retracement, see if you have one or two same lows in that area. Then if it holds, I think it will be a buy the dip. If they can't, you know, hold those pre-market lows around the 50% of the entire move, then just look for the lows of the move here. But uh, it's a little bit different. They bought, you know, there were bank earnings yesterday and they were buying the banks. Goldman, they didn't love the report. But the other, you know, this thing is more like old, you know, the entire sector wide, right? No,
0: there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of negative news here.
1: All right. So, this, well, uh, three
0: three different pieces with two downgrades in the sector on the same day and obviously the margin uh, issue there with work day. So. I'm not coming in and buying the dip. Um, I might be covering some shorts on some of the stocks I do have in the sector, but I'm not going along on any these stocks. At least, you know, I just don't have the guts. Maybe it is, maybe it's the mentality. Maybe you just gotta come in and start buying dips on everything because this market seems to be ripping. And let's go to the overall market because it's been an impressive couple of days. I mean, yeah, we were quiet there for one day in there, but really we look at this a week ago and everybody's worried, oh, we're in trouble here again. And the market just turns around and rallies, you know, 100 and points in your face
1: <laughs> yep and uh we did clear resistance and a lot of times you know when we talk about the charts here we're going to take a look at the spider or the s&p you had all those highs like 29 94 95 now you cleared it yesterday you snuck into the 3000 handle 3003 and a quarter uh was the high but you, you and you closed above it here but you're trading below it so i don't know what the news uh you know, overall, to take us down, but really important. If you get, if you go green on this session here, I think you got a good shot. Take out yesterday's high, and then you don't have really much in the three thousand handle. But uh, let's move over. We do, uh, we do have some earnings to talk about. Yeah, and, we do. Uh, that the bank earnings uh, continue to impress here. Bank America has a EPS beat of a nickel, fifty six versus fifty one. Uh, rev sales beat twenty. 20- just a slight beat, twenty-two point eight billion versus twenty-two point seven nine billion. They're trading high. I'll tell you right now, these these branches are ghost towns. They are absolutely ghost towns. The one by my house, I had to go in and get some uh, some large bills for tips and stuff. They had one dollar. The drive up window was closed, and I think they had. Like- well, that's
0: a good thing, though, isn't it? Because of no. so many people are doing online banking. I mean, you don't need as much physical, you know, their labor costs can go down. I mean, a lot of stuff is just done online now.
1: Yep. I, it, it is. I just. I don't know how much of a drag the real estate will be on them because on one of the locations, they built a brand-new building, a good area. They probably paid cash for it. But, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, cutting expenses. Let's look at price action in Bank America. This is a big move on top of yesterday's move. Huge
0: move yesterday. uh, Took out all that 30 resistance we talked about, too, like a hot knife through butter, really. I mean, if you look even at the intraday chart, uh, we ripped up there right to 30. We paused there for a second and then had the whole tractor beam thing, which I talk about. You can see the big pop up from 30 to 3024 because it probably took it out very quickly there. And then, you know, obviously came back down, closed below it. But now we get back above it here again. I guess yesterday's high. You know, what's it do there?
1: Uh, 3052 is your pre market high. You backed off seven, 17 cents since, since then.
0: 31. 31's huge because that's the highs in July.
1: Yeah, I don't think we got the gas to get there today. You never know. You, got, to-
0: you got earnings, and, and these things can rip. I, I, you know, I probably, if I was long it, I would probably be selling it if it got up near 31. But this market, too, it's tricky market. It's got the buy-the-dip mentality going, and we're ripping. I mean, I feel like the market overall is setting up to go higher. Like, I mean, to break out of this range, because we have been in this S&P range here. For the better part, if we're just looking, you know, even recently, we've been in range bound here for the better part of this year. I mean, we keep fighting resistance up at 302 on the spy. I feel like we keep bumping our head up against it enough. We're eventually going to take it out, but resistance is resistance until it's broken.
1: Yeah, and uh, you meant pre-market high 30.52. You might get a. I mean, if you're hesitant about you know buying a gap here, you might get a chance here. 30.24. Uh, that was uh, your high from yesterday. You're only a ten cents away from that. Yesterday's close real da- uh, down at twenty nine seventy three. A lot of volume trading here in Bank America. Jv Spec has an order in five hundred and thirty thousand at thirty
0: one. I that's what he sees in the book. Yeah, I was just going to look at the book, but he beat me to it. So I mean, that backs up that level that we're seeing on spirits sure. yep. as well. Big yeah. seller up, big institutional seller up at thirty one. So does it stall out ahead of that? Potentially. So I'd just be cautious. If I'm I wouldn't be going and buying a 39 it could turn around in a hurry. Again, if it sits up there for long enough, eventually they do usually take it out. But if it just has a quick spike or opens up there, sometimes it can fall off too. So we'll have to see what it does at thirty one if it gets up there.
1: And there was a little rumor yesterday, of course, an unsubstantiated rumor that uh Bank Amer uh Warren was looking to go uh, be a ten percent owner of Bank America and I was just thinking what a great day to float a rumor out like well, that. Well, he already owns a lot of bank. Of he America. owns a lot, but he was supposedly he was getting uh, permission to take up to a ten percent stake. And I'm like, what I a- don't know
0: how big a stake is, but it's already significant. So yeah. depends, yeah. I guess. I, I'm not sure how big one. is. Do you stake remember
1: uh, when he took his original stake? Where exactly Warren Buffett was at?
0: No. Yeah. Was it during the financial crisis?
1: Yes. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. It was it, his was it with preferred stock too? Wasn't it? Was it was bathtub.
1: Remember that? Yeah,
0: and he, I, and he ended up thinking, yeah, he was. Th- was that was it Goldman or or Bank America? The,
1: the bathtub was Bank America.
0: It was Bank America, and then he loaned the money on a preferred at like seven or eight percent, and it had a convertible option. They converted all that, obviously, when they came out of the financial crisis. It was a bold bet, though, because we were in real trouble there. I mean, we had saw a lot of banks fail. So, and you know, well, obviously I'm talking about, you know, Lehman Brothers going down and Bear Stearns, being bailed out. And, you know, a lot of other, you know, we saw Fannie, Freddie, AIG was in trouble. Citigroup was in trouble. I mean, it was a bold bet. It worked and paid off for him. I just wonder risk reward was really there for him to make that bet because we saw so many, obviously it worked out, but we saw so many banks going belly up i mean it was the vote of confidence that the market needed it really helped the overall market when warren came and put his money where his mouth is so maybe he just wanted to help the overall market too, give it a vote of confidence but when he made that bet and only going to get paid seven or eight percent or whatever it was on bank america it was a bold bet because they could have went under a lot of banks were going to up. out yeah especially them uh, taking out that countrywide credit
1: remember them they uh that was, it was a- so
0: many yeah well they when they were forcing you know obviously you know they were trying to figure out what to do and bear stearns they basically forced jp morgan into was it buying bear i believe it was bear stearns and then who else oh no it was merrill it was when merrill was getting scooped up by uh by bank Bank America. america yeah yeah that was the one that was kind of forced too there was problems i mean if you are new to the markets and you know that was such an experience for me I mean, as a trader, I mean, those were my best trading years because obviously, you know, we trade inefficiencies and there was so many inefficiencies back then during those 2007, 2008. I don't think I'll ever make as much money as I did in those years. And, you know, that's not, you know, saying I was making on the short side, I was making on both sides because some of my best long-term investments, I bought some stuff during that financial crisis. And that's the stuff that, you know, really made my long-term portfolio, you know, picking up, you know, some of these stocks when they were in the gutter and obviously, you know, a lot of stocks were looking like they were potentially, you know, going to go bankrupt, but, you know, we were nibbling, and I wish I would have obviously put serious money, but I put some money to work, and that money that I put to work really, you know, made, so anybody who bought during that financial crisis, 2007, 2008, 2009, was seriously rewarded, you know, especially if they've held up to this point in time. That was the dip to buy. I don't (laughs) know. You're never going to get a dip better, like, I mean, but it was a lot of worries. I mean, I was looking at any company with debt and you were looking and thinking, holy, you know, like, this is serious. Like, we're losing some serious companies. If we lose the financial system, what does that mean? I mean, we've never seen that really happen. Not in the U.S., not, in, you know, and obviously in the last 100 years, where you start seeing that many bank uh, banks going belly up. I mean, you got to go back to the Great Depression. It was a mess. It was a mess. So, you know, so hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, Warren Betts paid, paid off for him on Bank America. Obviously, the bets that I made, the smaller bets paid off for me too on the long side. But it was uh, you know, a market that when we've never, if you've never experienced volatility, like people thinking, oh, last year was so volatile. How can this happen? Let's put this in perspective. During the financial crisis, the VIX got to almost 90, nine zero. So we're saying what volatility when the VIX is at 20 or 30, it got to almost 90. That's volatility. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, other uh, earnings to just talk about here
1: after the close. Um, Interactive Brokers uh, had a, a Q3 miss. Uh, they missed by seven cents. Estimates were at fifty-two cents. They came in at forty-five cents. Uh, revenues came up shy too here. Uh, Four ninety-two was the estimate that came in at 466 that's after uh, Chuck Schwab had a good earnings yesterday have interactive brokers trading in the red here by 43 cents uh, big bar after the announcement I, I i'll tell you if they get this back down under 46 here uh, the low of the move 45 and a quarter oh. and then surrounded by 45 40 45, 60. Uh, I'll take a look at it. I'll take a look at it from the long side, uh, perhaps leaning on those August lows, but uh, interactive brokers, uh, Going the opposite way of uh, Chuck Schwab yesterday. I'm
0: not buying any of the retail brokers. Um, I know that they've come back a long ways here. I've said publicly that I like E-Trade for a short here right now. It's up about 50 cents from when I started talking about that a few days ago here. It's the rising tide lifts all ships, though, in my opinion. The S&P has been ripping here, ripped yesterday. And, I mean, did E-Trade really have a fantastic day? There were some stocks up four, five, six percent E trade was up a percent. So, you know, really relative performance. It wasn't that great for E trade yesterday. Um, You know, if it got up to 42, I think it's even a better short because there's a gap it's still trying to fill here. And that's the kind of the concern. So, if you're shorting here, you might be a little bit early. I just think there's so many unknowns. I mean, you're going to bring this back to almost the price where it was when they had commissions and now they don't. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. Meritrade hasn't come nearly back as far. I mean, we're $45. And, you know, we're down here at 36. So I don't know why E-Trade came back so much. Interactive Brokers never sold off quite as much either there. But I just can't bring myself to own any of these retail stocks with so many unknowns about their potential revenue obviously lost from these commissions.
1: United Airlines uh, also reported here. Uh, Delta kicked things off with not such a good report. Uh, United Airlines here, they came in with a Q3 beat, estimates at 395. They came in at 407. But it was a mixed report as they missed on revenues. The street at $11.41 billion. Sales came in at $11.38 billion. They did raise guidance. Now, I know this thing is kind of thin and all over the place. Uh, Someone got real excited, uh, took it up to 90.97. Boy, nothing here, nothing on the dailies there. You've backed off, Dennis. What kind of liquidity are you seeing in UAL?
0: I mean, it's fairly active market here right now. And it was active last night too, 89.55. Let's see what happens at 90. I mean, it's a big whole psychological number. You topped out there a couple of times. Can it stall out there again? I mean, I look at this chart and I think, do I want to buy it here? It was $82 two weeks ago. Now you can buy it at 90. I think if you're buying it now, you're doing it backwards. So I'd be more profit-taking here. If I'd bought that dip, I'd probably be scooping and doing the profit-taking. I mean, these things can keep ripping on earnings. And, you know, obviously, you know, I've always been a, a one that's probably sells too early. And I could tell you about some pot stock trades that I had yesterday. I if you want to know about selling too early. But um, <laughs> but so it can keep ripping. So that's why I wouldn't initiate it short at 90. But if I was long, I look at those couple highs, I think, why not lighten up into this rally?
1: Ninety eighteen was your October first high and nine on nine twenty seven you had a ninety thirty high. Uh you're within range there, uh, even though the pre market high is higher. Dennis, do you do you want to talk about any of those pot trades from yesterday? Yeah,
0: you know what? We had Afria ripping and who with what's going on in the market. The market's ripping right now, tier two guys. Uh, Dennis, you get you're starting to be like me here. We just we moved through. We are we're green. We've been red all morning. Yeah. Okay. We have some movement here going on right now.
1: We got a little rally going. Brentster will uh he'll track it down for us. We do have a rally. We don't really this is really not a time uh for a number, right? Eight twenty
0: two thirty six. Uh, I don't know, if somebody just said something. Obviously we're live on the show here. So news desk, Brenton's a news, news desk. desk. We've got some movement.
1: Brent, Brent is looking. Here.
0: movement. <laughs> Back to the green, buy the dip, by the dip. I do the this dip bar is already bought and I do this to them all day. Do we have to do it to them during the
1: pre-market prep? Yes, we do. Okay, all right. Dennis says we do. Uh, trying to go uh, unchanged here. I like that 97.75 here, so we can go green uh, in the S and P's. Uh, do you care about uh, JP Hunt earnings or not? No,
0: there's so much more stuff to talk about here. Okay. And we, we, so here's where we're going. We, we've got to talk about this potential opioid settlement. I want to talk a few, a little bit about some pot stock trades, but we can do that after. Let's go to the, this is the big news of the day. I mean, we're 20 minutes in and we haven't even talked about it yet. Oh, The, opo- the opioid, that's a funny word to say, settlement, $18 billion potential settlement on the table reported by the Wall Street Journal last night. You're seeing all these stocks rip on this potential settlement. Cardinal Health, and it's still just rumors. I don't think we have an actual settlement here, but um, I know it was saying in the article that Johnson Johnson might kick in as much as $4 billion towards this, so they're trying to do this or trying to get this settled. So if you look in the big three, MCK, McKesson, $9 on this, ABC, up 7% on this, CAH, I own CAH in the long-term portfolio, almost thinking about lightening it up into this, Uh, up 6%, 6% on this. Johnson Johnson is up a couple of bucks on this. We also saw some of the drug stocks catch, or the the, the retailers, catching a bit of a bid last night. WBA, CBS, and RAD were all trading up slightly on this. They're not going to get the kind of moves that obviously Cardinal and McKesson and, and ABC are getting because those are direct plays off of this. But we're seeing big pops in all these stocks. All these stocks have been in the gutter for a long time. I just think it's such a rip on stocks that are pretty, you know, conservative these stocks don't move that much so that's what makes me think like i think it's a selling opportunity i mean look at McKesson for instance mck look at all the highs up here 148 149 150 yes this could be a big you know deal that they you know get this you know uh potential litigation off the table but again these stocks have been in the gutter you have all these highs and you're going to open it right up and all that resistance at 150 i like it as a sale
1: uh monthly highs just uh last not not october But the prior three months high is stocking that 150 area, trading up 993, pre-market high. So situations like this, your pre-market high comes in at 152. That would be my ultimate target. The longer it took to get to 152, I think I'd be more looking to bring my offer down 151, 152. Another good strategy on a stock like this, you get that pot, let's say you open 148.50. And then you're on to 150, 150, right? And then all of a sudden you stall, and then come back down through the open. That could be a potential shorting opportunity. But big move for McKesson, mm-hmm. opening up in the monthly resistance. I haven't looked at a cardinal health. Dennis, someone took cardinal health. I know if you would have been there, wouldn't have traded fifty-two
0: thirty-five. 35 Got silly last night. Yeah, huge move. But- I don't. I mean, the one thing to consider is there is value in these stocks. I mean, it's three point seven nine percent dividend. This was a worry for a long time. So if they get rid of this worry, maybe it. Maybe they continue. But I've just seen. You know, it's kind of like feels like a little bit of the first solar over again. I mean, first solar had some decent news, and they faded that news because stocks been downtrend. I just think they might come in here and actually be some profit taking into this. And that's why I'm almost tempted this Cardinal health has been a dog in my portfolio for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm basically even on it. I bought it. I think, I can't remember when I bought this, but I've had this for like about a year and a half and I bought it right around 50 bucks. And it's really went up to 57, went down to 43, went back up to 57, down to 42, 43. It's like, there's not a lot of growth in it. I know it's a dividend play and that's kind of stocks I like, but and I've been getting paid to wait with the 3.7% dividend, but, think there's better places. For What's us? going on in the bid offer right there, right now? On what stock? Um, Cardinal Health. Fifty seventy to fifty ninety eight. Okay, because bid up at fifty seventy.
1: Okay, because in the last since uh, 740, 7.45 here fifty eighty has been the high. Someone is I, I know it's not there, but I just on the fifteen minute chart to me it looks like someone just won. You know, it's just that ninety. Could be an offer. algo there. Yeah. They're showing the 90 offer, but if anything 80 and above comes in, I think they're hitting it. So I got to move that seller out of there. I mean, you could also say there's a buyer at 70, but just looking at this 15 minute chart to me, it looks like someone's working out of a piece here at 50, 80. I mean, they might've picked it up at 45, 46 bucks, you know, over the last week. And they're like, out. maybe their target was 50. So they're helping. Out, you know, they're happy to get out at fifty eighty. We mentioned the resistance in McKesson, um, and then ABC, Marisource Bergen, correct?
0: Yeah. Uh, same thing. Little- I mean, these stocks have been in the gutter, and now they're ripping here. I mean, you're getting, you're talking about a stock that's lost, you know, eight or nine points over the last two months. Now it gets it all back basically in one day. That's why I think there could be profit taking
1: on a proposed settlement, right? Yeah.
0: And they're still going to pay some money. So I don't know. I maybe thought they were going to pay a lot more money than this. And that's why they're ripping these things up. I'm not uh, you know, an analyst here to sit here and analyze if this is a settlement good or not. I mean, the market is saying it's the potential settlement is good. And price obviously you know, talks volumes here. But I, I just look at all the overhead supply. And I think home so many people underwater, even like myself and Cardinal Health, and they're getting a, a lot of it back here in one day. I think there's people that are going to say thank you. Johnson and Johnson uh, offered uh,
1: four billion in that settlement.
0: Yeah,
1: and, uh, they also uh, caught an upgrade here from Atlanta. One
0: thirty-five in J and got to go look at the book here. Maybe JB Speck's going to beat me to it, but I feel like there's something up there. Uh, maybe uh, JB Speck noted that yesterday. I'm going to the book right now. One thirty-five. Yeah, hundred and ten thousand shares at one thirty-five on J and J. And that, that's going to be significant here. So can it get through that level? That's, you know, obviously couldn't yesterday on the earnings report. Can it do it on this opioid settlement? Maybe, but that's a big level for it.
1: Yeah. 134. I was looking at that level yesterday. Yesterday's high 134 and a quarter. Uh, just keep in mind, you know, this is a really big move for J&J. You're at uh, in the middle of last week. And uh, just a quick look at Walgreens, Boots, Alliance. Uh, That's trading up 36 cents. That is not as, you know, directly affected. 56 is a big number in that. Uh, CVS has gotten off the mat and then some. That's trading up 32 cents uh, at the highs of the pre-market session. 64.98 64.98 was yesterday.
0: Is there news? We're 40 cents there? wide on the S&P We're right now.
1: taking now. Retail sales are out, Dennis.
0: Retail. Holy, this is hard to follow this market.
1: Uh, big miss on the retail sales here. Awaiting. They are out. They are not good. Nice volatility. U.S. retail sales month over month for September. Down 0.3% versus mm-hmm. an up. 0.3% estimate, prior was 0.4%. Retail sales uh, move in the market, and you know we are talking about trying to go green, right? And that little pop there um, in the S&Ps took you three cents shy of that. Uh, your high was 29.97.75, got to 29.97 before you had the dip. Mid-range on the session comes in at 91 and a quarter dip to eighty-eighty-nine there. So let's see if we can hold uh 91 and a quarter going in to the opening belt. Uh, Dennis, uh, we got a guest coming out in four minutes, but if you need to bolt uh, till then. and
0: some volatility. We went 40 or 50 cents wide on the SPY on that 830 number. It's amazing how liquidity just evaporates when you have potential fundamental information coming there. Because typically SPY is trading with a one penny market right now or three cents. You know, The Arabs usually keep around three cents, but they went 50 cents wide on the SPY ahead of that 830 number.
1: Uh, I've showed these guys here the book, uh, like on the you know in the S and P's, uh, and before like a Fed you know announcement. Or oh something. yeah, it
0: just goes it's gone. It goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, still down five. Now we come
0: all the way back up here. Hard market to follow.
1: Yeah, down five at uh, ninety two seventy five. Uh, that little dip there. Uh, that little dip was uh, definitely uh, down to eighty nine. So we'll see how that looks up. Uh, Stock's pretty much holding steady. Once again, just uh, re-emphasizing that uh, the importance of that pre-market high, 97.75 got to 97 even on this pop. Uh, let's see. We got uh, three minutes here uh, before uh, we get our guest. Jimmy
0: Vegas was saying we had some Brexit news, that like how that was the reason for the little I pop I did that see that.
1: Yep, Brent did get that in there. There was uh, something on Brexit. I believe I saw this at eight twenty-four. Uh, UK publication RTE says uh, DUP has accepted latest Brexit proposals. Uh, who knows with that man? That's just the if, if the what it would happen if the trade war and Brexit happened on and the trade war ended and Brexit went through on the same day.
0: <laughs> uh, no and, idea. Trade war, I think, trumps it all, though.
1: Um, I just want to touch real quick here. Uh, Andrew Left goes bullish on uh, BHC, sure. um, healthcare. That got a nice spike yesterday. Um, Andrew hasn't been too hot lately. He's had some shorts, I know, and he's been kind of quiet. We'll see how this works out. Trading up 11 cents, I think that it's important that you take out that high from yesterday at 22.04 you backed off to settle 70 cents off that at 2134. Also other highs there at uh 22 22 22 and a quarter. So there's your major resistance. I also wanted to mention here real quick Apple. Now, do you think this is a coincidence or not, uh, Dennis? I bought my when I bought my iWatch Apple the day before closed at 220.82. And it closed at two thirty five thirty two yesterday you think it's that, the, that
0: it's the watch indicator, like the briefcase indicator with greenspan. we have the watch indicator with joel he buys a, <laughs> a he buys a product, and the stock takes off and <laughs> knows that that revenue's coming in there
1: uh but I will say someone wants out at two thirty eight here. Uh, you look at the last three sessions: thirty-seven, sixty-four, thirty-eight, thirteen, and then thirty-seven, sixty-five yesterday. Now we have backed off from that area three dollars. But if you are looking at a swing short, or maybe to look at some pro, you know, you want another breakout here. Something going down to two thirty-eight was a laggard in yesterday's market, but uh, I pointed out to somebody. Look what it's done over the last couple of weeks. You know, it's a hardly call you know, just because it didn't participate in yesterday's rally, it surely uh, had participated uh, quite a bit before. So don't it, call me Shirley. Okay. That's uh that's from um airplane, right? <laughs> How are we doing, Chris? Do we have okay. So uh time to time here, yeah, we have a new guest and uh we got one I think you guys are really gonna like. It's uh Tom Bowley. He's a uh, chief market strategist at Earnings Beat com. He is going to share some charts with us. He's going to talk fundamental, Dennis. When I when I was talking to this guy yesterday, I'm like, am I talking to Dennis here from a from a fundamental perspective? Uh, do we have you, Tom? I am here. Good morning, guys. Uh, good morning, and uh, are we going to get you on video as well? There I am. Okay, there he is. Excellent. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: Oh, we're doing well here. Just uh, watching some of the volatility here. What, what do you got on that hat there? What is that? Baltimore that Radio. is
2: the no, I had to go with uh, the local team, the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina
1: Panthers, okay. I'm just
2: a little bit south of Charlotte, North Carolina. They're just, just over the line in South Carolina, so it's more of a Carolina team. But, yeah, I, I thought I would uh, – I was thinking about, you know, sporting my Virginia Tech colors today, but uh, the season hasn't been so great. I thought I'd do the Panthers instead.
1: All right so so tell us uh you got an interesting background. people come from all you know different uh walks of life here. Tell us you know what you were doing originally and kind of how that how it led you into the markets
2: all right well i 've been in the markets uh, really since the early 1980s, but uh, i was a, well I am a cPA so I was in public accounting for twenty years uh, worked in a large uh, regional cPA firm in the washington d c Baltimore Maryland area for those twenty years. And uh, really just uh, got tired of it and uh, had a passion for the market. A good friend of mine was starting a business and uh, so I joined him. That was uh, Invested Central back in 2004. And uh, the business just evolved and we eventually changed the name to Earnings Beats because of our product uh, lineup that we started where we basically were not trading any companies unless they had beaten Wall Street estimates on both top and bottom lines. And uh, so, it just made sense to change the name to uh, earningsbeats.com, kind of give everybody a little bit of taste of what we were doing. But I've been, while I was doing that for, from the time we started Invested Central in 2004, all the way through 2015, Uh, had developed a relationship with Stock Charts, where I had, um, this kind of goes back a ways, but 2006, 2007, I was doing a national radio show on uh, the market and uh, trading and if you've ever tried to to uh to do technical analysis on the radio uh it's not uh, particularly easy when you start talking about the macd and the ppo and people's heads probably spinning listening to the radio but anyhow um, i
1: agree i agree dennis and uh you know dennis tells me you know about the numbers and stuff and i think it's really hard that's why i think it's important to talk to fundamentals and you are a fundamentalist here Tell us about your screening process, how many stocks you file, your time duration. Uh, Give us a little introduction into that.
2: All right, well I have what I call a strong earnings chart list. And what I do is I go through and look at just about every earnings report as it comes out. And I'm really just looking for the headline numbers. I'm looking for revenues, I'm looking for earnings per share. It's, to me, it's an evaluation of management. So if uh, management is conservative, I mean if you notice Apple, throughout the years almost always Uh, promises low and then beats and so I like management teams that do that. I I don't like big surprises come earnings time. Um, So I I developed a strong earnings chart list where I look for companies that beat top and bottom line that have liquid or liquidity. I want to make sure that they trade enough shares and then I look at the charts. So the charts are are my final yes or no. If I like the way the chart's looking, uh, technically if it's in an uptrend, Um, volume trends look good to me, then I add it to my list. Does
1: it just have to be one time that they have to be on the top and bottom line or do you wait for one, two, or three uh, consecutive quarters?
2: It's just one time. I'm a short-term trader, swing trader, um, and this list is constantly evolving. So as you get close to earnings, I don't like to hold into earnings. So as these companies get close to their earnings reports, they come off my list. And then as they beat, they get re-entered. So some have been on there for the last couple of years if they've continued to beat and they look strong on their their charts. But I think in trying to manage risk, I think it's really hard to manage risk when you go into earnings reports because even some of the strongest looking charts, uh, you know, you've heard that old Wall Street adage, buy on rumor, sell on news. So a lot of times you get a stock that looks really good, comes out with a great report and then sells off. And usually those sell offs can be great opportunities.
1: And uh, so your uh, 90-day duration you're looking at for some of these trades you get in before the report, and then I get in after the report, trade it before the report, and let things uh let things uh shake out here, so you uh you got you got the controls there, Tom, we tried to hook you up as a panelist here. I know you got a slew of charts here uh that you'd like to uh share with us show us um just one more question before you share the charts so like do you like to chase stocks here? they have good earnings reports and they're trading up huge and you're out there you're the momentum guy you're bidding the high of the day because it's going higher is that uh, your method of trading
2: no actually i don't like to chase I, I like to find these companies come out with earnings and then i add them to my list you know the strong earnings companies and then i wait and i'll run scans against that list right now you asked me earlier how many are on there i have about 300 stocks right now on my list so that's kind of my my world in terms of trading um, and then i'll run scans against the list so i'll look for 20-day tests I'll look maybe for RSIs that come back down between 40 and 50 because a lot of times when you get these stocks that are in nice uptrends, when you do finally get a little bit of a pullback, uh, many times that RSI 40 to 50 level will mark a, a pretty good opportunity to enter. But I do have a, I do have a couple charts and I want to show you one from a really long-term perspective because even though I'm a short-term trader, I like to trade in the direction of the overall trend. And so I believe we're in a secular bull market. Um, so anybody who is watching this, who is say forty years old or younger, probably hasn't been too involved in the in a secular bull market except for these last few years. But if you watch CNBC, you'd never know you were in a bull market. Um, but can I go ahead and pull that chart up? Sure, go ahead. You got to. Uh,
1: we tried to give you the controls there to right. do this. Do you have them? Yeah. Do you have the screen? It should be up now. Uh, it should just takes a second here. There we go.
2: All right. Yeah. You're, you're on your way. All right. So this is, uh, I know I said I was short term. This is a hundred year chart. How short how term is that? <laughs> um, taking a look at this chart, though, we go through cycles. The stock market goes through cycles. And if you go back and you look to 30s and 40s, we were in a secular bear market. We broke out. We had a secular bull market for about 18, 19 years. Then we went through a secular bear market again. I do have average returns up here. These are average annual returns during these periods. Of course, the 1980s through the the 1990s, we had a huge uh, secular bull market. Again, those 18, 19 years. And then from 2000 to about 2012, we went through what I consider to be another secular bear market. And I know, Dennis, you were talking earlier about the 2007-2008 decline, and you can see When we have these big pullbacks, these are not just pullbacks in a secular bear market. These are nasty. Same thing with 70s, uh, back in the 30s and 40s. But we'll have bear markets during secular bull markets, but they're cyclical bear markets. And so you don't see the huge selling during these periods that you do during secular bear markets. When we look back at just the fourth quarter of 2018, that's a little blip on the radar screen. And that's the type of selling that when we get it that's the type of selling i expect we're going to have i might be one of the most bullish guests you've had on here i think the next 10 years the stock market's going to explode to the upside and i've got a chart of the uh, the uh, treasury yields and i want to explain a little bit about that because i think that is where the money is going to rotate from so if we take a look at the 10-year treasury yield and if you look back over these last 10 years this is a 10-year chart top of the charts the S&P 500, bottom of the charts the 10-year treasury yield. When the treasury yield is on the rise, generally it coincides with a really nice move in the S&P 500, because you're not just getting new money ro- or moving into the S&P, but you're getting a lot of rotation away from the defensive treasuries, and that's what helps to fuel these huge start, uh, stock market rises. Now, when the 10-year treasury yield is moving lower, Most of the time, what you'll see in a secular bull market is consolidation because every dollar going into the treasuries is a dollar that cannot go in to the S&P 500. So when you look back and you look at these periods where we've had these declines, you'll see maybe a little bit of movement to the upside, but not a lot. Down here at the bottom, this is a correlation indicator that's shown over at stock charts. It's the correlation coefficient, which just compares two different symbols. In this case, the S&P 500 and the 10-year treasury yield, any reading on here that's above zero means that there's a positive correlation between the two. Any readings below means that there's a negative correlation or an inverse correlation. And you can see going through these last 10 years that for the most part, there's a pretty positive correlation so that when the yield is rising, it means treasury prices are falling. And so that money coming out of the treasuries is rotating into the stock market. If I stretch this back 20 years, so that we can then bring in that bear market, that secular bear market. What you'll see is when the 10 year treasury yield drops, there's no new money coming into the stock market and all the money coming into the treasuries is flowing away from the stock market. So you can see the difference between the huge drops in the 10 year treasury yield and the huge drops in the S&P 500 as compared to now when we get these big drops, the, the market isn't going down. I think we have a completely different environment. And again, if you're under 40 years old, you're not used to this because you think, oh my gosh, we might go into a recession. And if we go into a recession, then the market's gonna drop 50%. Well, if I go back to that S&P 500 chart, there was a recession in 1990, right here. You can barely tell it. It was a blip on the radar screen. There was also a recession in the early 80s. If you go back into the 50s, there were three or four recessions during this period, but the market, it was, you pull back, you sell off, but it's not the same as being in a secular bear market. So for me, one of the big takeaways in the way I approach the stock market is that I believe we are in a longer term move to the upside and it doesn't mean that the S&P couldn't drop a couple hundred points. I mean, we start getting another couple of tweets and you know, the trade war you know, kicks back into gear, the market gets fearful. Yes, we could drop back down again, there's no doubt. But I think the long
0: term picture here is very bullish. Tom, I'm looking at these charts. And this is very interesting, you know, to break it down like this. The one question I have for you is how do you know, because we've had you're saying we've been in a secular bull run for the last looks like seven years by your chart. How do you Judge how long that secular bull run is going to be. I mean, is there an average length of time you're looking at there? I mean, some of these look like they were for 20 years. Um, are you looking for another 20-year secular bull run? Is that and you think we're just like in the like the third inning of this thing, or you know, what's to say that maybe the secular bear market doesn't start next week? How do you know when the, that the secular bull run is going to continue?
2: Well, I think there are some things that are that have common characteristics in the secular bear, and you mentioned one of them earlier, Dennis. You were talking about the volatility index back in 1987, or excuse me, 2007, 2008, yep. when it went up to 90. Mm-hmm. If you go through these secular bear markets, of course, the VIX, I don't have a VIX reading going way back, but during this secular bear market, the volatility index, the difference in the level of panic in the market is completely different. Mm-hmm. When you go through a secular bear market, you can see VIX readings going up to 40, 45, or in that one extreme case, we went up to 90. In a secular bull market, that fear level never quite builds to that level. And if you go back and you look at some of these lows that we've seen 2015, 2016, 2018, the VIX only gets up to about the mid-30s. And that's been a common characteristic. So I think there are a couple of things that we can look at. To answer your question, I think we're in the third inning. I think that this is a generational type of a bull market, very similar to the 1980s and 90s very similar to the 1950s and 60s. Um, You know, we go through a period of 12 years, 10, 12 years where we go nowhere, even though our economy does grow. It's not like we're in a recession for 10 to 12 years. I think that it's a catch up. I think that the, the stock market is going to catch up to all the growth that we had experienced. I think the money rotating, it's hard to argue that we're not gonna start to see some money rotating away from treasuries as low as those treasury yields are right now. I mean, maybe we go negative, like so many other parts of the world, but I don't think so. I think that we're going to see a little bit more movement to the upside in the yields. I'm not looking for five, six percent in the Treasury yield, but if we get the two and a half, three percent, that would be a huge amount of money rotating out of Treasuries to help fuel this bull market.
0: I mean, the big, um, you know, thing here too is where does money go? I mean, when I look at this, and you know, this is what would give food for, for your thesis here. Uh, where does money go? I mean, we, we, we've we got interest rates are so low. If you're sitting in cash, you're just losing to inflation. I know they say that we don't have inflation, but we know that's not true because if they calculated the way they did 20 years ago, inflation's still running around 6%. And that's the number you got to look at because, you know, there is obviously still inflation here, um, you know, and through product sizing and everything, they have other ways too. But I'm just saying, where do you go uh, to, you know, keep up with inflation? I mean, if you're looking at one or 2% here, you know, even if you went to the 30 year and say you're, you're going to get, you know, uh, upwards of three percent, maybe longer term. I mean, it's it's tough to you know it's tough to make money at that. So I just don't know where else money goes, and this is why I think I agree with you. I think you know we could eventually see Dow thirty thousand or the Dow fifty thousand or even potentially Dow one hundred thousand, and maybe it's not as far away as we think.
2: Yeah, I was looking. I wouldn't be surprised. I was looking at the S and P five hundred, but I think in ten years we could be at seventy five hundred.
0: That, that would be, crazy, yeah, crazy. so that's significant, Ron. That makes me want, you're making me all bullish here. I want to go out and buy stocks here now. It's the well, dip. We're down, we're down 0.1% here this point. I want to go buy stocks. <laughs> well, again, short term, I, you know, I think, you know, we could go back to
2: twenty seven hundred twenty seven fifty. 2750. I don't think we're going back down there, but I think that we, that would still play into the long-term bullishness and I'd still be okay with it. I think we're going to break out though. You said earlier, you kind of, you know, you it see feels like it dripping. to me. Yeah, I, I see it as well. And you've got a lot of folks that are very nervous and bearish. I want to say this one last chart and then I've got to run. Mm -hmm. But this is a chart of the, this is again, long-term chart of the S&P 500. Here on the bottom, I have a 12-month rate of change on jobs. So when you look back at all of these moves, uh, I put in these blue Xs. These are all recessions. These are, by definition, recessions that hit. And if you look, every one of these saw job growth go negative, all But, well, 1969, I think, was the only one that didn't go negative on job growth. Every other one, we saw this go negative. Now, everybody's screaming about a possible recession. We had a manufacturing report that was showing contraction a week or two ago. Look at where the jobs number is right now. I'm not saying that we can't have one, but based on jobs, I think the economy is stronger than what a lot of folks are saying. And I think that's going to be a catalyst to drive the yields higher and, again, to move that money from treasuries over into equity. So uh, two things that I would watch really closely because I don't have time to go into them now. Maybe I can come back sometime and and share these charts, but transports and small caps. Those tend to be the groups that really start to to cook when the market breaks out and starts running. So I know you said earlier, I heard you say you're not interested in the JB Hunt report. That was actually one of the reports I was watching pretty closely and I'm also watching for Kansas City Southern, which is a railroad reporting on Friday. Because if we can get the transports going, I think that would be a confirming signal that we're going higher.
1: We've been on the line with Tom Boley. He's the chief market strategist at EarningsBeats.com. And uh, based on the responses here from uh, both our chats, uh, you're going to be back on our show uh, sometime soon. Thank you, Tom. Great information, great charts. We'll be back with you real soon. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, S&P futures still down 6.5, 29.91 and a a quarter. So basically, you had a little run-up on the Brexit. You had a little dip on the retail sales, Mm -hmm. and the market is quiet. Dennis, did you like that? uh, Yeah, I
0: like taking back and doing, you know, this makes me feel more comfortable with my long-term portfolio because, you know, I've been frustrated with the long-term portfolio, and maybe it's because we haven't gone anywhere for two years, and I look at my long-term investments and think, Man, they're not doing anything. I'm at the same spot I was two years ago. The only reason I have a little bit more money is because I'm making trading money. I'm throwing more money into it, but I mean, really, you know, when you own 100 stocks like I do, you're really going to do what the S&P is really kind of doing. And if you look here, if we just go back and look at our monthly charts, I mean, we're at S&P. Well, I guess you know we're up slightly here, 293 on the spy a year ago. And if you go back a little further, beginning of 2018, we got to 286. I mean, really, we're talking about the market being up two or three percent in the last couple of years it hasn't, you know, and obviously if you're looking at depending on when you timed it too, I mean, there's obviously points in time. If you bought it lower, you know, on the dip at the beginning of 2019, or, or you'd be better off, but just looking overall, it's really gone nowhere for two years. So maybe we're just gearing up for this next big bull run here. Like Tom thinks, I mean, there's a, a good argument. Where does money go? You know, if you're looking at where you want to put money and, you know, some people believe it's all going to go to a cryptocurrency and some people believe it's still going to go back into gold, but I mean, the stock market has uh, been one of the better performers, at least if you're looking out for this last seven or eight years. And over time, I feel like with interest rates so low, uh, I just can't see stocks getting smacked. Uh, no, it was, uh, that, was, uh, that was good information
1: there. Uh, so we, got, uh, we had some other earnings reports. Uh, we had Comerica, Punk, Abbott. Are you interested? Lots of
0: in- ratings, too. I mean, I'm interested in Abbott Labs. I own Abbott Labs, my long-term portfolio. It is getting hit here this morning, um, down $3. So, again, my long-term portfolio continues to be punished. Maybe it's selective perception. I guess I own NVIDIA, and that was okay. But Abbott Labs here, down 3 bucks. I mean, you're coming back into support here. I don't know. I've been in the stock forever. I'm probably sticking with it. I've had it for a decade, so I don't see any reason to sell.
1: Did they, did, when they went that 84 dip to seven, did they buy somebody there? I'm trying to think,
0: or was that just Mark? No. Ab, well, AbbVie obviously had the big, you know. Yeah, no, that's not it.
1: Okay, well, you got it. this is a big. <laughs> AbbVie
0: had the Allergan purchase, and that's why, obviously, AbbVie had the huge fall. If you go back and look at back to uh, June of this year, that's what the big okay, fall be. But, Abbey, but right. I always put those two stocks together because AbbVie obviously came from Abbott Labs.
1: And uh, who bought uh, Oxy? Who was the one that got pounded on that?
0: Uh, no, you, they bought APA. Oxy bought APA uh, and Oxy yeah, got pounded. Is that, is or that, not APA, I'm sorry, Anadarko, and uh, which I is off the board now. That merger just go through. Man.
1: They got Carl in here. They got uh, Warren in they here. They paid
0: too much. I mean, they came in, they paid a premium for a petroleum company in an environment where they're selling the hell out of petroleum companies. It was a ridiculous premium. I mean, if you look at what Anadarko got, I mean, shareholders made out like bandits on that. And Chevron, the best thing they did was lose that bid because the stock has obviously held up a lot better than Oxy. Oxy was trading when this merger, and they obviously won the bid, it was around $70, $67, I believe it was. And you know, it ended up, and now it's up 40. So a lot to do with oil. Oil hasn't done great either. But really, if you look at oil over that same period of time, Oil really hasn't gone down that much. So almost at the same spot. So, And you look at some of the other oil stocks, yeah, they've kind of all been in the gutter to a certain extent. So it's probably an argument that Oxy would have been down no matter what. But I think it went down a lot more because of that Anadarko purchase. All right. Uh, we've covered uh, the cloud stocks. we talked a little Apple.
1: Um, earnings uh, after the close. Uh, let's just take a look at a chart a couple of these. Uh, IBM, itsy-bitsy machinery. Uh <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what chart... Is this
0: really a stock? Like, okay, let's think about this. And maybe this is a stock that's going to come back. It's a value stock. It's got the 4.5, 4% year. But if you believe, you know, in Tom's theory that we're going into this, or we're going to continue the secular bull market that we've had for the last seven years, and this could go on for another seven years, is this the kind of stock that is going to lead the charge? IBM, General Electric, Ford? Do you think these are the stocks that are going to lead the charge? No. These aren't the stocks that are gonna lead the charge. Maybe it's the cloud stocks. You know, maybe you look at those and say on the pullbacks. But you know, there's other stocks that could lead the charge too. Could Apple be one of them? Absolutely. Could we go back to Fang? Could the Facebooks and the Googles lead the charge? I mean it's value it's growth at a reasonable price, so it's possible. But you know, there's also gonna be other sectors that are gonna lead the charge too. But I so I don't know which stocks are gonna lead us out. I just believe it's not gonna be a stock like IBM.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's underperformed the entire time. It's
0: underperformed forever. I mean, you've had a lot of other companies that have reinvented themselves and figured it out. And IBM has been a dog. You know, go back to the months, Look at the last seven years in IBM and think about, you know, what the S&P has done. So S&P, the SPY, has doubled in the last six years. IBM in that same time frame, it was 200, has fallen above 30%. So it's just an awful performance relative to where other stocks have went. And why bet on a loser? You know, why do you want to bet on the long shot? Why do you want to bet on the loser? Are they going to turn it around? They potentially could, but I think there's a better chance of companies you know, that are going to be you know, operating already well. Why not bet on the winners? So I don't want to bet on IBM that's been a perennial loser. I tried to bet on IBM. I put in the long-term portfolio for a bit there when the whole blockchain thing was happening. And I thought maybe this could be, you know, one of the big winners and this would bring them back and it helped for a little bit. But then blockchain obviously fell off and IBM, you know, never was, really was a serious revenue maker for them anyways, it never was going to be. So I just can't get betting on IBM. Could they have a good earnings report tonight? Sure. Could they pop? Sure. But is this what's in the stock that I want, my long-term portfolio, it's going to lead the charge in the next secular bull market? No. what about the red hat purchase i mean they try, but this goes to show you they're so desperate they had to overpay for red hat and they're desperate to buy growth because they can't internally generate it so when you got to go out and you got to buy the growth you know at, at ridiculous valuations like in the red hat case that's scary so i mean some companies have figured it out think about microsoft in the same period you could have said in 2012 and you know ibm and microsoft similar businesses you know pc we were looking at back then, obviously, you know, as you know, operating system. Microsoft totally reinvented themselves. They went cloud, they went, you know, gaming, they went all these other things to turn this company around. What did IBM do? They didn't do any of that stuff, and that's why the stock's still in the gutter. So here's my rant against IBM. Can it rally on the report? Yeah, you know, market could help it too. I mean, maybe we'd be up and IBM will rally on that. But I just think, wow, you know, they've really lagged the market, and why does that change over the next seven years?
1: I have to agree with you. All right, we're going to wrap things up today. And uh, the market's pretty much where it was when we started. SPs are down 575 here at 29.92. Going to overemphasize there that uh, that pre market high at 97.75, getting over that would get us uh, green on the session. And then yesterday's high could be your next target there at 03 and a quarter. I just want to mention that uh, tomorrow's guest will be Mark Chakin of Chaikin Analytics. He joins the show every couple weeks to give us updates on the Chaikin money flow. Uh, also, I mentioned at the top of the show, this uh, show is sponsored by Webull. Uh, make sure you go get the Webull mobile app and enter that trading competition. And also, for anybody out in Chicago or anybody interested in intend- attending the Benzinga Cannabis Conference uh, next week, uh, use the code. BZ fan, and uh, you can get a discount price there. I'll drop the link here again in the chat. Uh, Also tomorrow, we will be joined by uh, Spencer Israel, uh, who will be returning from Austin, Texas. Uh, So we'll get Spencer back here. Let's big thanks to Chris for helping us out over the last three days. Things went great. So wrapping things up on this Wednesday. Have a great day. We will be back with you tomorrow morning.